Hello and welcome to a special edition of The Good, The Bad, and The Podcast. The only podcast in the internet where we take a genre, a director, a character, um, actor, or in this case a saga, and we talk about the light side of the force, the dark side of the force, <laughs> and the fun side of the force that gets your midichlorians tingling. <laughs> My name is Micah. Hey, I'm Kelly. I'm Charles. Isn't that fun? <laughs> I told you I had a special one Is for this. Is this why we run a doctor so we yeah. can talk about how that works? In a yeah, true. So if you haven't guessed, what we are talking about today is Star Wars movies. We are going to talk about all six, which one is our good, bad, and ugly of a Star Wars movie. And because it is such a big thing, this is like a momentous history-making film week because Force Awakens is coming out. Mm-hmm. We have some special guests, and our special guest, Kelly, would you like to introduce our guest? Uh, certainly. Uh, so here with us, we have one in video conference and one in the actual flesh. Um, we have Dr. The same person. <laughs> <laughs> we, have, we have with us Dr. Mike McInnes, who was, has been our special guest before on this podcast. Um, he was nice enough to do a... Tarantino? Uh, Yes, Tarantino. The name was escaping me. A Tarantino episode, and he was in for our survival movies episode. We talked about too. the last time he starred in Pulp Fiction, right? Was <laughs> yes, he, he, was, he was Jules. He was, Come he was on. A one-man show. That's my one-man show doing all the parts. <laughs> yes. yes. On Broadway. Way off Broadway. <laughs> well, welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me. Hey, and I also want to say, um, Mike has been doing something on Twitter recently. He's been basically putting together his own type of commentary as he's watching the movies. I have thoroughly enjoyed that. It is, it, I mean, and I'm really looking for, made me look forward to this podcast. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm enjoying doing it too. As, as a lot of fans are doing, I'm going back through watching the original six movies and uh, getting psyched up and, and getting my mind right for Star Wars. All right. And Charles, do you want to introduce our second guest? Well, yeah, as Kelly said, there are two people, just to clarify the comment earlier. One is remotely, uh, you know, via satellite uh, in Atlanta. It's the original uh, host with me of the original podcast, Topher, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, how's everyone? Thought I set you up better than that. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I want to say this week I have uh, well, we we've uploaded some of the original episodes onto our iTunes channel, and I've been listening to those, and man, they're so great. They they. I mean, we only did like ten. And the thing is, one of the things we did when we got to number 10, we decided we should make it extra special because it was a milestone achievement for us. So we decided we would do a drunk podcast, we get drunk, <laughs> and just to see what would happen. And we never release it, so I'm still, I gotta edit it. I gotta actually, yeah. because it's got a, we couldn't even get through the intro at all, so. Well, so far, I'm really excited to talk to you about this it. because uh, the, the ones, the original ones, they're smart, they're funny, and you got a lot of good thoughts there. Well, I'm, I'm honestly, I appreciate that, and I'm, I'm just as interested to hear that drunk podcast as everybody else, because I have no recollection of that podcast. So. I don't either. If this tells you anything, I found it on like an old hard drive, and the file was labeled poop. <laughs> that sounds appropriate. So, All right. I don't know why. Okay, so and naturally you said, well, what is this, poop? I have to check this out. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Well, as I said, um, we're doing Star Wars, so what we decided to do is uh, basically come up with our own 
good and bad and ugly list of the six, uh, to date, the six Star Wars movies. Uh, and Kelly, how are we going to manage our way through this craziness? <laughs> it It will be pretty interesting to say the least, I think. But so what we're going to do is we're going to... Uh, break it down, good, bad, and ugly, and each go around and um, say what our good pick is first. All of us spend one to two minutes just giving um, kind of a brief little defense of why we think whichever one it is is good, uh, and we'll just go from there. All right. So, without further ado, unless there's anything else anybody needs to interject. I haven't been this close to you since we made that 80s music video. <laughs> <laughs> we are sharing yeah we, we are sharing it's a special occasion so we're sharing microphones um let's start with our good pick so charles you want to take it away what is your good pick and give us a defense why you chose that one uh well i'm gonna go with episode one that's my absolute favorite one all right okay. of course it is yeah no i'm just kidding not at all <laughs> it's the empire strikes back of course and you want a defense of it? Yeah, defense. Here's the reason why. Uh, okay, so I think that in the original Star Wars, it's the if you look at the original trilogy, it's the most dated one as far as the way it was shot, the way the dialogue is, everything about it. It's a great movie, but I think what they did with uh, Empire Strikes Back is they made it more of a like a classic romantic comedy, not comedy, but a classic romantic movie. They mm. made it like a classic '30s style movie, and so it kind of it's more timeless. Um, it also introduced Yoda. I mean, it introduced some of the one of the greatest cinematic characters ever. Mm-hmm. You had one of the greatest twist endings ever. Um, you know, it was the first one that George Lucas did not direct, and he didn't write it. Um, uh, Lawrence Kasdan right. wrote it, and he's actually writing The Force Awakens, the new one coming out. So, I don't know, but I, I just I love the way it's timeless. Like, it does not feel like a 1980s movie. The first one is very much a 70s movie. This one could be in any decade, and that's the point. It's like a long time ago. So. That's why I like it more than any of them, but especially, like, I think when they go to Jedi, Return of the Jedi, that felt more 80s, especially the Jabba the Hutt scene and all that, so, mm-hmm. but she's laughing at it. Okay. So, I, I like it, I like the classic style of it. We'll go to uh, you next, Jeff, what do you say? So, I'm, I'm kind of torn, because I do, uh, episode four and, you know, New Hope, as well as Empire Strikes Back, it's a tough call for me, right? I think from just a standalone movie perspective, I think New Hope is better just because it can stand alone. It can be its own movie. But as with most trilogies, I find that I always like the middle act. I like act two simply because it's the only one where they don't have to worry about exposition and setting up something. And they also don't have to worry about tying anything up. So you really just get to have a fun adventure that happens in that world that you liked enough to go see the second movie. So I, I find that to be true in most trilogies. And so Empire carries over for that as well. Um, I do happen to like the originality of the first one. I think there's something wonderful about being thrown into a new world and everything is new and different. And you as the audience are going on a ride, discovering all of this for the first time right along with Luke Skywalker. And there's something great about that. But as far as which one I actually just want to sit down and watch on a Saturday afternoon, I'm probably going to choose Empire. I agree with Charles. It does feel very timeless. And it has some of the the more the better lines, the more memorable lines, the I love you, I know, and I'm you know, spoiler alert, you know, I'm your father, all that stuff, right? Wait, wait, I mean it's got you, all that father? kind of stuff, which is great. And yeah, you have Yoda and you have all this stuff. And I, I feel like that's 
again, I think it's just you get to go on the adventure without having to worry about setting anything up or tying anything up. You just get to have fun in that world. And so to me, that's that's the best one. Okay. All right. So two for Empire. Mike, what do you say? I I uh, <clears throat> I went back and forth between episode four and episode five, and I ultimately came down with uh, episode four as my favorite, primarily for the very reasons that you mentioned, because it does wrap up nicely at the end. It does stand alone so much better than Empire. I mean, Empire is a great movie, better script, better directing, um, better character development, and, and it does a lot of things really, really well. Um, but ultimately, you know, if I'm going to sit down and watch one of these on a Saturday afternoon, it's probably going to be episode four, because at the end, you don't feel like it's a cliffhanger. You feel like you've, you've completed a story. And, you know, George Lucas famously said, look, I couldn't make the entire movie I wanted to make. I only had the time and the budget to make part of it, so I decided to make this this part, which eventually became known as Episode Four, and so we had to kind of tie it up, tie everything up at, at the end, um, and and he didn't know if it was going to be successful enough to make to make more movies, um, and so I think that that ends on a better note. Um, that said, um, when when Episode Three came out, I came out of the theater saying that's the best one of all six. Um, I, I think I think Empire is great. Um, I think Jedi is great. So you know. Uh, ultimately, it, it, it partly comes down to uh, episode four stands alone better than the others, and, um, and and part of it's just nostalgia for me. I mean, I like so many people my age. I grew up wishing I was Han Solo, and 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 A New Hope was the one that that we grew up watching all the time. And so, you know, I, I can't ever go away from that one as being my favorite. We should also mention Dr. Mike is wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. <laughs> yes. I didn't. Yes. I did not even believer. notice that. Yeah. <laughs> Kelly, what do you say? Uh, it's it's this is really hard, guys. Um, I think I probably have to land on a New Hope as well, just because I I mean I actually I really love everything that everybody's been saying. I mean these are these are such excellent points that's just you know everything's well defended um i really like empire strikes back i did almost choose that but just for the same reason you guys were mentioning that um <clears throat> you know in empire you it, it, it's in the middle you don't have to tie anything wrap anything uh you know you can just have fun with it but a new hope introduced the whole thing you know the whole shebang i mean the the, the entire series is you know, just a, a plethora of archetypes, but they they're introduced in a new hope. I mean, we I, I feel like we watched we we did when I was in ninth grade. We watched this movie to learn what archetypes mean, and um, yeah, I I just love it. I mean, there's something so cool about the beginning the beginning of an epic saga. Like, okay, now and and we're still talking about this, however many years later, and they've made all these new movies, and um, it wouldn't have come about without a new hope. So, okay. Uh, well, I guess I'm the tiebreaker here, in a way. I mean, this is not a contest, but we've got two for you Empire. Just one. <laughs> <laughs> I just now made it one. But, um, so when I started this adventure of uh, watching all six uh, over again, uh, with the podcast in mind, I wanted to watch it with an open mind. Watch it as if this is the first time I'm seeing this movie. I didn't grow up with Star Wars. I don't know these characters. I'm trying to go blank slate. With that said, Empire Strikes Back, it was the better, the best film. Um, without, like, you know, going into the mythology of it all, <clears throat> it has incredible, I mean, brilliant cinematography. Mm -hmm. 
The story is great. The dialogue is great. The characters, and I know the characters do, they come from New Hope, but you really kind of flesh out the characters, especially the character of Han Solo. You see so many different layers of him in this. You see different layers of Luke in it that you don't see before. Uh, even Leia. I mean, even, you know, the different ele- uh, layers of Leia, she's not just, she is, you know, uh, a deeper character. Um, the score is amazing. Uh, and just everything about this movie is, is so amazing. And one thing that I can say that um, is, is not, is kind of a fault of mine for Empire Strikes Back is that um, it is the it is a sequel. I mean, it has it does have the sequel feeling to it. It doesn't stand alone as a movie. It stands as a bridge. Um, with that said, uh, let's actually move on to the discussion about it. Just kind of point counterpoint discussion. I want to start off by saying I do have a friend that um, he he would say I also have a friend. <laughs> <laughs> I have one friend. <laughs> That he argues that Return of the Jedi is the best because uh, it has, it could be, it's in a way standalone, kind of wraps up things. The story arcs are stronger because you've got the Luke and Darth Vader story arc. Uh, You have the Han Solo story arc where he's really humbled in Return of the Jedi. Um, I I like Return of the Jedi. That's the one that I was most, uh, that's the one I was most familiar with growing up. I had the VHS and, you know, recorded from TV. So that's the one that I really, you know, kind of feel an affinity to, but, um, it, it has a lot of plot holes and that's why I say Empire Strikes Back is just, it's a brilliant movie. Regardless, regardless of it being Star Wars, it's just a brilliant movie. I think in a lot of ways, Return of the Jedi is, is the most ambitious of the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's trying to tell this, like you said, this great, this, wrap up the story arc of, of, of Luke struggling with the, the his identity as Darth Vader's son and struggling with whether or not he's going to go over to the dark side. And there's a lot of great commentary and analysis about you know how, how close he got to going over to the dark side. And it's really ambitious. I think that that really the, the, the last third of the movie, when you're cutting between three things, you're cutting between the space battle uh, led by Admiral Akbar and Lando Calrissian, you're cutting between that and the battle on the Endor Moon, and you're also cutting between the uh, the the lightsaber battle between you know Luke and, and Vader and, and the Emperor. It, it's so much going on that it really some of those storylines get a little bit muddled. And I think if if the whole saga is about the the fall and the redemption of Darth Vader, that storyline gets a little muddled. In the end, what should be the climax of that story gets a little muddled in, in Jedi because there's so many other things going on. It's so easy to get distracted by those things. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's that's something that in that first trilogy, you've got to remember each one got larger than the last, right? In the first one, there was just the attack on the Death Star, and that's all that was happening. And the end of Empire, you have Luke and Vader fighting, as well as Leia and Lando and Chewie all trying to escape. And then in the third one, you have, like you just said, you have three different things happening. So each time they tried to make it bigger and bigger and bigger. But I agree. I think if if Vader and the redemption story and all that really is the main through line, you're not as focused on that as maybe you should have been. You could make the argument, of course, that you know, part of that through line is that Leia is his daughter, so you can't just forget what's happening to her because that's part of that through line at that point. But either way, it does. It adds so many different layers to it that it almost becomes, it almost 
loses gravity to each one of them. And I think that's part of what, what draws me to A New Hope is because it is so straightforward. I mean, the storytelling is, is simple to the point of sim, sim, being simplistic. You know, it, it's, it's, there are not all these other things going on. It's very straightforward, um, and, and, and I, I like that. Would Jedi have been better without the Ewoks? You know, I, I think about this a lot. I never heard one negative thing about the Ewoks until 15 or 20 years ago. As a kid... Never bothered me. I mean, I had the the Ewok playset and a million Ewok toys, and my brother had the Ewok lunchbox. And you know, we were kids; we didn't care. That was just it didn't bother us at all. As a, as an experiment, I asked um, my two of my three sons, you know, in the last couple of days, what's your favorite Star Wars movie and what's your least favorite? And I tried to sort of tease out, you know, what how because I've got one who's eight and one who's eleven. The eleven year old was like, I like the one with the Ewoks. I mean, and he's just unashamedly saying you know it's great and and to a 10 year old kid which is in some way the target audience for a lot of this mm-hmm. um you know it, it doesn't bother them at all and it didn't right. bother me at all as a 10 year old kid right. watching they watch the standalone ewok movies have you shown those no <laughs> so it only goes so far <laughs> if you asked if you asked 12 year old micah i would say the return of the jedi was my favorite and part of that is the same reason you know because oh well you got the you got the cool lightsaber battle and you got the ewoks fighting the empire and i guess it was a it's a simpler story even though there's more complexity to the the overall story it really is just you know they land on this moon they have to fight these bad guys and you know it's uh, a lot simpler for a kid to understand yeah mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting that we're talking about these, and we haven't even touched on the first three. And I think that's <laughs> we well. Got and, and the, only reason I that is, the only reason I say that is because it doesn't feel like the first three were actually a story. It just feels like it was like milestones in like you have to talk about this and you have to talk about this because this happens and then this happens. But we don't view it as like a character arc. We don't view it as an actual. As a story, the same way that we view the last, you know, four, five, and six, you know, episodes one, two, and three, it was like, well, we know where it's going to go. There's really only one place for it to go. We just have to hit all the right, we have to round the bases just right so that we end up at the right place. And so it doesn't feel like a journey. There's, there's a way to tell stories where the audience knows the end, and yet it still feels like they're going on a journey. And those movies didn't do that at all. Like they, they really didn't. They, they just you hit those bases, and that was it. Yeah, let's go in. Uh, that's a good segue, actually, to go uh, into bad. Uh, so, um, I, I I think I want to pose it back over to you. What would you say is the worst Star Wars movie ever? Now, I want to make sure I'm clear. This is the worst, not our ugly pick. Correct? No. Uh, no, and, and for those of you that um, are, are joining us for the first time ever, what what uh, the difference between <laughs> welcome the the bad our bad pick and our ugly pick our bad is it's a bad movie it's not a good movie uh, it's a sometimes a hard movie to watch our ugly pick is always going to be it's got its flaws but it's still fun or it's so bad it's good or it's so bad it's good exactly. Right, right. So, and so my opinion for the bad one would be episode two. And the only reason that I say that is because I feel like episode two has so much potential. 
right? Episode two is where you have the 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 romance, supposedly the romance between you know <laughs> Anakin and Padme, right? And and that had great potential. That could have been something great. Remember, we just talked about how Empire Strikes Back is basically a romance story, right? And so you're kind of hoping, like, are we going to have shades of that? in episode two and then you get to see the clone wars which we've only been talking about since the first 20 minutes in episode four and we finally get to see them we get to see jedi riding into battle in mass and yoda fighting for the first time you get to see all this stuff and it could be so great and every single bit of it's a letdown again it hits all the right story markers but it does it so poorly that it's just it's bad. It's just not good. Are there some cool parts in there? Yeah, there's definitely some cool stuff here and there. But overall, that movie just feels really uneven and just just poorly executed all the way around. Mike, what do you say? I, I, I sympathize with what you're saying, and I, I will start by saying I do like the prequels, and I do... Um, I don't think any of these are... Okay, are, let, let's put that on record. You do like the prequels. <laughs> I do like the prequels. Okay. Um, that said, I think they're all weaker than the original trilogy. Um, in retrospect, like I said, I thought episode three was the strongest of, of all six, and I, I don't really swing that way anymore. <laughs> but um, my, my bad pick is episode one. Primarily... Because the if you're really going to sit down and tell somebody the story, you know all this nonsense about the Trade Federation and the the blockade and all this stuff that goes on is so undeveloped and esoteric. I mean, I think the opening the opening scene with with Obi Wan and Qui Gon going into to negotiate and and having to basically blast their way out is is great, and then all of a sudden they get mired down with the Gungans. And uh, and you don't really understand the, the business of going through the planet core and the, hey there's always a bigger fish and they do that same stupid <laughs> pointless thing not once but twice within the space of about ten minutes and then they're off to Tatooine for no real reason and they stumble upon Anakin and it's just it's just this hodgepodge of stuff that really does feel like like I said we're checking boxes well we got to get we got to get Anakin introduced we got to do all this stuff and and I feel like the whole end battle between um, the Gungans and the droid army basically is is Ewok battle part two. It's, hey, let's watch the technical, technologically inferior army defeat the technologically superior army. Although they really don't. They would have mm-hmm. lost if it hadn't been for the fact that Anakin mm-hmm. lucked his way into blowing up the control ship or whatever it is. I mean, <laughs> yippee! Yippee, yeah. Hey, that's a good trick. Let's try spinning. You know, it's like, okay, I used to do that playing the old, you know, the old Star Wars console game when there was nothing yeah. else. Just spin the controller back and forth and hope for the best. It never worked. <laughs> um, you know, I, the things that Phantom Menace does right it does. It does well. I, th- I think the pod race sequence, for all the the flack it gets, I think it's really a great sequence. It's long, but it's a good sequence. Um, I think there are things about. I mean, we finally get to see for the first time Jedi in their prime doing something, um, which we really didn't see in any of the original trilogy. So I think that there are things that that it got right, but ultimately the story that Lucas was trying to tell is is not that great a story that's convoluted and, and needlessly complex and you keep going back to these dull Jedi council uh, that's what the Jedi do in their prime <laughs> sit around and talk and, and, and I mean you think okay this is the last one of these no 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 we're going to come back in 10 more minutes and have more dull exposition and I think you know it could have been 
so much better, but it just falls completely flat mm-hmm. for 80% of the movie. Kelly, what's your worst? Uh, I I got to go with Phantom Menace as well because I I guess I understand why they needed to make it start with Anakin as a young boy because then it kind of shows you he was this pure ray of sunshine or whatever in the beginning of his life and you know the greatest evil arises from the most purity you know and all all these kinds of things conception of course it's it's just so so that part i was kind of interested in um but i i agree with what's been said that it didn't like i just didn't care about all the other stuff i mean it was his his dynamic with padme was kind of interesting but yeah, I don't know. It just, it just, so much of that other stuff just did not matter. I couldn't, it, it I don't know. So. I would say uh, my worst pick is, um, I'm going with Yuto for Insane Attack of the Clones. And I, I really had to do a lot of uh, internal debate to figure out exactly what uh, I, I wanted between Phantom Menace and well, Attack, <laughs> Attack of the Clones. <laughs> Uh, but here's why I settled on Attack of the Clones, because in 1999, Star Wars won, even though it was financially a success, a lot of fans were very disappointed. They expressed their disappointment to George Lucas. What did George Lucas do? He made Attack of the Clones, which has all the faults that <laughs> Phantom Menace does. The boring, you know, dialogue, the, the, the romance that goes nowhere, the over over use of cgi in fact that last scene the battle scene which you know it's star wars history we're we're seeing oh this is when the clone Wars started the clone wars we've heard about this for 30 years and it's all cg and it's and you can feel it with the actors too them you know walking down a, a runway and you could feel that um i'm not really giving my best performance because i'm looking at just a green screen uh and of course Going back to the romance, it's it's hard to watch. Um, Hayden Christensen and Natalie Portman. I mean, it's it's kind of you know gut wrenching to watch that. Zero chemistry, right? Yeah. I mean, I might. Do you guys feel like they have any chemistry on screen at all? I don't know how much of that was the direction and how much of that was the the script and how much of that was just just their chemistry. I mean, I I, I watch that and every time I'm like. It's like the trifecta of badness. It's like, the, you know, you've got the wrong actors being directed by the wrong director with the wrong script. Mm-hmm. Well, here's something else that I think is, is a big problem with it, is that <clears throat> in Star Wars Episode Four, uh, it sets up that Obi-Wan Kenobi was friends with Anakin Skywalker. And when he talks about Anakin, or when he talks about Anakin Skywalker, yeah, Darth Vader killed you. He was a good friend of mine. When do we ever really see them being friends? Attack of the Clones, they're in the same scene together for maybe 15 minutes. So Attack of the Clones was the time when you could have set up their friendship. It was a, like Topher said, it was a, um, a failed opportunity because they could, they could be together most of the time and kind of had that bromance there, you know, that you, so you really felt like it was a loss when they, he had to kill him. That's true because they did, and they didn't even, even in the scenes they were in together, they didn't feel like they were, I mean, I would not have called them friends. It's like they were but, against each other. Well, they were meant, he was his mentor. I feel like and... they started out pretty good. Like they had kind of a system together. 
I, yeah, I, I totally agree. agree. I think in episode three, you get that that they're 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 both Jedi, uh, not masters, but but full fledged Jedi at that point, and they're fight that opening enormous space battle scene. You know, they're fighting side by side. They're they've got each other's backs, and 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 we're told that you were like a brother to me. I mean, you're, we're yeah. told that we're not really shown that. Right. I agree with you. It would have been nice to really see that he was a good friend. You know, again, as tells uh, Luke Skywalker, he was a good friend. You know, yeah. and you get that sense that, yeah, there really was some background there. We just don't ever really get to see it. Well, let me stop down real quick because Topher says episode two. I say episode two. Kelly and Mike say episode one. Charles. I get to be the tiebreaker. You get to be the tiebreaker. I say episode one. Okay. That's all I got. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, okay, so again, I rewatched them, and that's episode one for me is hard to sit through. I fall asleep in that movie almost every time I start it. And I think we haven't even mentioned both episode one and two, they have those long, boring Senate chamber meetings. Mm -hmm. It's like so stupid. I don't want to sit and watch senators. Even if they're aliens and all that. I don't want to watch them come up with all the stuff. I also... I All the CG's awful. I mean, I don't remember it even being cool back then. You're right. It's like watching a video game. Um, there's no soul in this movie at all. Um, the, the new characters introduced are horrible. The original one when Yoda was that was a, was a puppet, I like the fact that he was, you know, practical effect. But, you know, they, they were recently replaced it on the Blu-ray with like a CG Yoda. But the original one, he was supposed to be a younger Yoda. Yoda's like a thousand years old, and they made him look like a completely different Muppet. He looks like a bad Muppet. I mean, he's got long hair, and he's right. like... It's, like, it's <laughs> like, what? And, and all the Jedi council meetings are so yeah. boring, as, as he said over there. Uh, but I, I I just I can't stand this movie. Like I, it's, it's so painfully bad. I mean, you have great actors. Liam Neeson. Mm -hmm. I like him as a Jedi. Qui-Gon Jinn's a cool character, and it's so wasted. And Ewan, Ewan McGregor and Natalie Portman are really good actors. I mean, yeah. Natalie Portman's won an Oscar. I know. I mean, but Jake Lloyd is not a good actor. <laughs> well, yeah. Let me, let me tell you, exception. you know the best thing that came out of episode one is that Weird Al song that's set to American Pie? <laughs> I mean, truly, like, I I remember this movie. I'm, I was excited about episode one as I am about The Force Awakens, right? Uh -huh. I was so excited. First, you know... It, we saw like the first showing of it and I just I sat in the th theater and I had a Star Wars shirt on and I was so excited and I sat there and I just kept thinking ah, it's gonna get better it's gonna get better where's the, good scene? where's the Star Wars scene and it's scene after scene after scene disappointed me uh -huh. and I went home and I was angry and I was like yeah uh -huh. and I just couldn't I couldn't believe Lucas had done that to me and I felt like uh -huh. someone had robbed me of something and I just I don't know for that that's part of the problem it's really hard for me to sit through that movie I uh -huh. think that's the only time I've ever sat through it and not just gone to sleep you know it's really interesting because you mentioned two things um one is that george lucas was making the movie he wanted to make mm -hmm. and he didn't care about pleasing the fans right. so to speak and and when when the fan backlash occurred after episode one came out um you know a lot of people said well you got to get somebody else to write this thing george because you can't write and you got to get somebody else to direct this thing george because you can't direct and he sort of gave the fan community the finger and said, no, I'm going to write and direct the rest of these movies, yeah. and I don't care what you people think. The other thing is, you know, he, he, I think he really did sit down and, and think, what is the, what is the background of, of the, the original trilogy? What would have to happen to make... You know, and you go back to the original stuff that he wrote back in, in the early 70s even. You know, a lot of what he, he talked about was the corruption in the, in the government 
that allowed the bureaucrats to take charge and allowed the emperor to, to, to seize control of the old republic and allowed the old republic to, to crumble. And he, you know, I think in his mind, that was the great story that he wanted to tell. But you're right. It's a boring story. It's like, you know, hey, we're going to make this great action movie about the presidential debates. Well, nobody and, wants to and see so that. That's the, so that's kind of the problem that he runs into, right? He basically made like C SPAN in space. You know? <laughs> like, I mean, we don't want to watch that now, you know? And so, but at the same time, like, we all love like Shakespeare. You know, like, think about like King Lear and like Hamlet and all these like movies that are set in like throne rooms with corruption and politicians and backstabbing and all this stuff that could be a really great like shakespearean classic kind of story but instead we have you know the trade federation arguing with padme and the gungans i mean like that's that's really sad that like because on paper if he had actually presented that to me this is what it's going to be about there would have been part of me that would have been like oh my gosh this is going to be amazing like palpatine's going to be like he's going to be like this king lear character and it's going to be fantastic you're going to see this corruption and he's going to bring down all these little people with him and nope not at all there's well, no no three-dimensionality he's just and one of the reasons that i do say i like the prequels is because i think all that is there you just have to really read between the lines if you if you watch the movies for what they are if you watch the movies for what they are a lot of that just doesn't come through but if you really dig down and you see you know all the plotting and scheming of of, of palpatine and you see the the parallels between um between uh, Palpatine converting Anakin in episode three to Vader trying to convert Luke in episode five and Vader and and Palpatine tag teaming trying to convert Luke in episode six. There's a lot of really neat parallels there. I think he had the basic, like you said, he had the idea for a great story. He just executed it incredibly poorly. I think it's kind of like the Hobbit movies. I think he had the idea for one movie that he split across three and he had to figure out ways to fill in the time. I really do. I mean, it, you guys have all seen the Hobbit movies, right? They yeah. would have been yeah. better as one movie. Well, I, I would even go as far in saying, uh, even though I've, I've picked Attack of the Clones as my worst, Phantom Menace is a, um, you don't need this movie. You yeah. could really start things in Attack of the Clones and oh, be yes. fine. All you need is a little backstory. Oh, okay. So Anakin hey, is apparently got the Force and this is Obi-Wan. Well, okay. Mean- yeah. Even, yeah. even literally, seeing the elevator. Literally nothing happens in episode one that couldn't have been covered in the title crawl at the beginning of episode <laughs> yeah, two. Yeah, you're totally right. Well, no, that, that's what I'm saying. Like in episode two, they had that scene in the elevator and he's like, you're sweating. And you're right. It's like a real awkward scene. That yeah. would have been enough exposition to cover the entire first movie. Exactly. I haven't seen her in so many years. Like, okay. Yeah. Boom, right in there. But that's so true. we get Jake Lloyd from, you know, Jingle All the Way. And it's... Can we also say, too, that talking about failed opportunities, Darth Maul. How awesome would it have been to see Darth Maul as a villain through the all the well, prequels? I agree, but you also know that he didn't die, even though he's cut in half. Like yeah, he comes back the Clone and Wars and yeah, yeah, yeah. the so, Clone Wars TV series. There's yeah. potential for him to come back in one of the future Disney movies. That's like somewhere uh-huh. in the timeline. Because he comes back, I think it's like it's his top half on like a mechanical spider body or something. He didn't. Okay, so he didn't from die. Wild Wild West. And, and yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, kind yeah. of actually. <laughs> so he didn't die, but. George Lucas, for all intents and purposes, killed him. Um, and if we get medical about it, if you get oh, hit by a lightsaber, that. 
then it's car- carterized, right? So well, you okay. could potentially survive. Let's, let's take a little side note on that. Except in episode four. <laughs> Except in episode four <laughs> when they cut off Walrus Man's arm or whatever his that. name is, and he's blood everywhere. I mean, yes, I agree. I mean, I, I, I understand why they did it that way, but yeah, if, if, if you're going to say later that, oh, that's why Luke didn't bleed to death when his hand was cut off, it's because the wound was cauterized. Well, okay, but you've got to be consistent. Exactly, be consistent. Well, there's also not supposed to be sound in space, and there's also not supposed to... I mean, come on, like, there's, but, like, but they consistently a million have sound physics in space. problems with these movies. Well, so and when I, I the was... Death Star blows up, it should just be in silence, just light. Yeah. <laughs> they can't all be, like, interstellar, and they can't see you. This is an audio podcast, Over. That's right, yeah, my bad. <laughs> I will say this, Micah. Um, oh, I had a great point. Man, it was a good point, too. <laughs> oh, you know, talking about wasting a character, wasting Darth Maul... It's it's a crime that they had Liam Neeson and then what he did I think I think he he shines in episode one I don't think he's bad at all in episode one but it's a crime that like you said everything that happened in episode one didn't have to happen I mean, we don't need it to tell the story in episode mm-hmm. two three and beyond and and to think that well great Qui Gon this really decent character and this great actor was basically wasted because there's nothing for them to do I mean it would have mm-hmm. been great to to, to find a way to to use him elsewhere in a, in a different movie in a, maybe a different way. I thought they were going to bring him back at the end of episode three when Yoda tells Obi-Wan that he's going to teach him how to commu- communicate with the ghost. I don't really understand the point of that scene. Like he tells him, I'll teach you how to do it, and they just cut to something else. Well, I think I think that's one of the... the, the if we're, I don't know if we'll get a chance to talk about the, all the flaws in, in episode three, but the biggest flaw is like the last 10 or 15 minutes. Once... Once you've got burned up Anakin, burned up Darth Vader, everything else is like, okay, we got to check all these boxes in the last fifteen minutes of this movie Have to the set up all droids, mind wipe. Yeah, so let's wipe this? some. Let's let's. Oh, she's losing the will to live. She died of a broken heart. Yeah, how did she die again? I'm so confused. <laughs> well, I, I read a great, a tremendous analysis on the internet not too long ago. I um, think I read the same one. Uh, and it's, uh, I'll. I'll I'll plug it. Um, I don't remember who wrote it, but but it was really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a great analysis because the idea just was look on the internet. It's Palpatine <laughs> killed Padme like long distance. Like Vader says, I could feel her presence, and and now I don't feel her presence anymore. He obviously knew she was alive when he force choked her, and then and then left. Um, but but you know. Palpatine basically says, "Oh, we couldn't save her. He doesn't know that she's dead. Right. But but you know, we couldn't save her. And so, you know, I think you could make the argument. And it's a, it's an interesting argument um, that you know Palpatine sort of killed her long distance, and and he didn't want, you know, whether or not he knew that there were babies. You know, he didn't want her to be in the picture. He wanted Vader to be dedicated to mm-hmm. to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, I think George Lucas's answer would be, yeah, she died of a broken heart." And we're supposed to accept that. Yeah. So, uh, I smell Segway. <laughs> Let's talk about our ugly... Like? That would be me. I've been <laughs> swimming in raw sewage. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um... Let's talk about our ugly pick. The pick that um, it's really not a good movie, but it's fun to watch. So, Mike, let's start with you. Before you pop that Hershey kiss. Well, I... Those are so good, the cherry ones. They are good. Um, I have I have to uh, say you guys have almost convinced me to change my mind, but I'm not going to change my mind because I really do think episode three is is too good to call ugly. I'm going to pick for ugly uh, Send in the Clones. 
because <laughs> because I I really do think that the thing it the things it does well are good and I, and I think it's entertaining um, even though it is it is pretty ugly um, I, I was actually in my in my Star Wars review I was watching it last night and um, there are things about it that I really like um, not. Not the the fact that Anakin and and Padme go on a a Jedi funded picnic for three weeks or whatever to fall in love in the most cows. romantic with the cows or whatever in the, <laughs> the most mechanical rom- bull <laughs> in the most romantic locations in the universe. Right, and they're basically what are they doing? They're standing around. We're gonna go. We're gonna go on this trek and look at the water yeah. mm-hmm. and talk about how I don't like sand because it gets in everything. And by the way, hey, eighteen year old boy, don't fall madly in love with this scantily clad beautiful woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm in agony. I mean, there are so many things about it that are bad yeah, i was gonna say though you know like so when it came out there was the imax version of it and i heard that they could only have so long of a movie in the imax format it's like if it goes over like a certain length they can't do it so the the imax theaters cut out most of the romance and everybody i talked to that saw that there's like they thought it was great it. <laughs> so i've never seen that version but i've wow. always wanted to really? like, so i will say this about about attack of the clones and i do know that's the real title and, and really this applies to a lot of the the, the prequels George Lucas had this really bad habit of having these scenes that were just somebody walks in and it, it, it is it's like Shakespeare. Somebody walks in, they say their four lines of dialogue, they have this this very short conversation, and then they and then they exit. And the and the, the, the getting into the scene is awkward, the getting out of the scene is awkward, a lot of the dialogue in the scene is awkward, and it feels so choppy. I mean when um, when Obi Wan arrives at, at Camino and he goes in to see the prime minister, and the prime minister basically pulls up his Mork from Mork space chair and says, "Have a seat. Let's talk." And they do this back and forth for three minutes about, "Oh, we made some clones for you. Oh, really? Well, thanks for making those clones. Okay, let's go see the clones." And they stand up and walk. And I think, why do we have to sit in this bad, all-white CG set <laughs> and talk to this CG character? Why couldn't we do this important exposition? kind of walking down the hall. Why do we have to have these scenes of, of Padme and, and Obi-Wan, you know, having this exposition about, oh, or not Padme and Obi-Wan, but Padme and Anakin having this exposition about, uh, I, he he's overbearing, he, he, he doesn't trust me, and mm-hmm. wah, wah, poor me. You know, why can't they be doing that while something is happening? Why is it... Love. Sit- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're sitting around, you know, and she's packing or whatever, and he's kind of staring out the window whining about Obi-Wan. And I just want to say there's so much better ways to do the exposition without it being so stilted and, and awkward. And so, like mm-hmm. I said, you guys have almost convinced me that maybe Attack of the Clones ought to be a bad pick. But deep down, the things about it that I like, I like the gladiator scene. I, yeah. mm-hmm. I think cool. the gladiator scene is fun. I like seeing the clones fight. I like the fact that, you know, you've got this, it's all CG, it's all a big cartoon, but you've got camera shake and you've got, you know, lens flare pre-JJ and you've got all sorts of things going on that you realize, wow, they really tried to make this look like a a war movie. They made try to they tried to make it look like um, Saving Private Ryan or one of those those intense battle movies yeah. and it could have just been you know guys running around in spacesuits shooting each other well, I love Count Dooku and Yoda in it. I mean, I oh, that's a great, great scene characters. yeah mm-hmm. but I love Count Dooku Christopher just Lee the character you know, another great actor that they didn't give him enough to do mm-hmm. you know yeah. he, he gets shoehorned in the end of episode 2 he comes back and gets killed at the end of at the beginning of episode 3 and you're like why didn't we do more with him 
I mean, yeah. I thought that was one of those great, great things. Was, hey, they've got Christopher Lee. They started with Peter Cushing. Now they've got Christopher mm-hmm. Lee. Let's do something with this. And they I, never I would have really almost did. rather Christopher Lee been in the first one and been the bad guy throughout the whole. Instead of instead of get rid of Darth Maul together. As much as I love Darth Maul, but if Count Dooku had been the main villain throughout and then mm-hmm. died in the third That's one, true. well, I mean, Darth Maul is almost like Boba Fett in that we think, oh, this is a badass, but he yeah. doesn't ever do anything. Right? He doesn't ever do anything. He, he has doesn't. like two lines of dialogue. And then he fights with you know the double lightsaber and gets killed yeah. or not killed, but well, yeah. in my yeah. mind he gets killed. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, we we think oh this is a great character, but the only thing that's really interesting about him is the makeup. The yeah. costume yeah. design is cool, and but other than that, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, how much better would it have been if Count Dooku was in it all along? You yeah. had a cool villain. Yeah. You could have had somebody who could really act and do something. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because Chris Lee doesn't seem to mind the green screens or any of that. He's a yeah. great that's actor. True. Kelly, what would you say is your ugly pick? So I I would have also picked Attack of the Clones, but for kind of a different reason. Um, I I I mean this has kind of been said a little bit, but I like what they could have done with this movie, and I was interested in the things that were happening. But Anakin, like Hayden Christensen, his delivery is so wooden and so bad that it is almost comical to me, and it is comical Can to I me see- actually. Yeah. Which is the worst Anakin to you? Jake Lloyd from episode one or Hayden Christensen in two and three? Uh, Hayden Christensen. <laughs> well, that's a tough question. <laughs> Hayden Christensen, I think, because Jake Lloyd, you can excuse some of it because he is a kid. He's a Are child actor. an angel? <laughs> yeah. He's the most beautiful. Yeah. Again, how much of that is bad acting and how much of that is bad script? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with scripting. But he, but so, so Anakin, like, he prevents me. I like so much about it, but he kind of makes it impossible because I was, maybe I'm alone in this, but I was really interested in the romance between him and Padme because it's essentially what pushes him over the edge into the dark side is his, you know, deep and abiding love for Padme and she gets taken away and he thinks that he's killed her and, and all these things. And that's, I mean, yes, there was the whole setup with his mom, which kind of (laughs) pushed, you know, was, was giving him a shove in the right direction and inherent personality traits, but it was Padme. we're, We're supposed to understand that she was such this important, part of his life that that the loss of her could just be so soul crushing that he could become the most evil being ever and but and so i was interested to see the development of that relationship and like you were saying mike you know i want to be shown things and not told them like i don't want to be told that they're so in love you know like they they have no charles you said they have no chemistry they really don't and that is that's not the fault of natalie portman because she's a very sensual and excellent actress and she was trying her best but she even she was kind of you're laying that entirely on hayden christensen like yeah basically in episode three was fine i mean i think he does the dark and 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 brooding and angry and rage-filled darth vader Mm -hmm. great it's just it's hard to believe him as angsty teenage Anakin. Anakin. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or, or mannequin. Anakin. <laughs> Anakin. So my ugly pick, and I might be cheating a little bit here, but I'm going to... Don't do it. What are you going to do? Okay, you ready for this? Yeah. Return of the Jedi. Oh. Hold, on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. Wait. I saw you Wait for it. it. Wait for it. Return of the Jedi Special Edition. <laughs> and I, I don't care if that's cheating because it took me a long time to figure this out, but... Here's, here's why I say that. I love Return of the Jedi. All right? Like I said, I have a close affinity to it because it's the one that I kind of grew up with. It's the, It was my introduction. So I love every bit of Return of the Jedi. I grew up with the old VHS copy, of course, so it's all the old puppets. There's no CG. 
And then this was the first time this just last week that I watched Return of the Jedi Special Edition, and you got things like the uh, Jabba's Palace. At all, you've never seen the special edition. I've never seen the special edition. This uh, was my first. What about time. any of them? You never seen any of the special editions? Uh, no, no, wow. never seen any of the special editions. So this was my first time to watch uh, the Jabba's Palace. Um, the singing part, you know, the CG oh, no. singing so bad. Uh, it was also my, the uh, <laughs> Sarlacc pit to have the mouth and the tentacles, um, the and then the the kind of cherry on top of the poop was <laughs> was eloquently put the very in scene, uh, you know, when they're celebrating, they go back to Naboo. Yeah. Uh, they're celebrating there. It's like they have to go through all the, the rest of the uh, the sixth. They go to Coruscant, which Coruscant, let me tell you, is the capital of the Empire. So they're basically celebrating the downfall of their civilization. <laughs> Yay! The Emperor's <laughs> dead. What do we do? I guess we're all going to be beheaded now. And then, of course, you've got the young Anakin popping up, Hayden Christensen popping up in place of, I don't even know the actor's name, but in place of the old Darth Vader. That just kind of bugs me Wait, too. Did you watch the DVD of it, or which one? Where'd you watch it? At? Yeah, the DVD of it. Because I thought, because you know they did more on the Blu-ray special editions, right? They changed more. Oh well, I, there's like different special editions. Well, and I, I'll tell you too. The other thing that really upset me, and I know this shouldn't upset me that much, but they replaced the song. It was Yub Nub. Oh yeah, yeah, they ruined it. They replaced that song with something else. I was so upset that at the end of it, I said. No, no, I have to. And I went on the internet to find the original ending so I could feel satisfied that I've seen Return of the Jedi. Because I didn't feel like I actually saw it. I made sure, I was telling them earlier, I made sure that when I first introduced my kids to Star Wars, I started with episode four, five, and six. I showed them, I dug out the old VHS tape mm-hmm. to show them the original, it's yeah. not the original, but, but the pre-special edition <laughs> version to make sure that they, they at least... Had had heard the Yub Nub ending because <laughs> yes, because be. because now all they know really is the special editions because we pop in the DVD it's easier and yeah. and I think if I showed them the the original ending they'd be like what's that funny song because it's 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 very it's a very different feel right I mean and I don't want to spoil anybody who has managed to live under a rock enough to not know the basic idea behind Force Awakens. Where where there are people who don't really know about the, the the truth of the Jedi, and there's this idea that the the Jedi secret was somehow kept secret, and that people that, that they've passed into legend, you know that really doesn't play very well with the ending of the special edition version of Return of the Jedi, mm-hmm. when the whole galaxy apparently got the news flash right away that Vader was dead and the Emperor was dead and you know, yeah. the, the, the empire had been overthrown. They're all they're all celebrating. So I don't know if they're going to even bother trying to to make those two match. Ignore the special edition. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if they ignored it. Charles, what's your ugly pick? Okay, so I'm going to go off a completely different direction from all of you guys, and maybe this is <laughs> the Christmas the Christmas special. It's a Christmas special. <laughs> <laughs> Because you did say any Star Wars movie. I knew you were going to do something like that. I thought about the Ewok movies, but the Christmas special is so ugly. It's it's so bad, it's good. 
Have you, got, have you seen I it? don't even know what you're talking about. It. I won't let myself watch it because I, I don't have the tolerance for bad movies that you do. <laughs> Sofer, have you seen it? I don't think anyone I've does. Seen, I saw as much of it as I could store. <laughs> I watched maybe five minutes. That is awful. Truly awful. Doesn't it have B. Arthur in it? Oh, yes. <laughs> Charles <laughs> loves B. Arthur. She's the bartender at the cantina. <laughs> I totally I'm forgot. serious. So, yeah. Uh, for those, I'll give a quick, quick synopsis. I know we're really long in this episode, but, um, the, okay, so, Star Wars Special took place between episode four and five. It aired on CBS only once in, like, I think, 79? 78, 79, yeah. Um, but it is, it, it's a 70s TV show for all intents and purposes. I mean, that's, and you can tell none of the actors really wanted to be there, like, Mark Hamill only makes a quick cameo, and he's like, it's a, like almost like a telephone conference thing. Harrison Ford like, looks like he's in pain. Harrison, so <laughs> the stars of this show, it's Chewie's family. It's 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 uh it's his wife, his father, and his son. Like, and this suddenly like nubby or something. Yeah, <laughs> terrible names. They're horrible names. <laughs> they're, they're on the thing, and, and and they're trying to get. And this is a Christmas special, but they're trying to get back uh, to Chewie's uh, Kashyyyk. Kashyyyk, I guess that's, not, that's where it takes place in. It looks more like the Ewok village, so, but... Um, anyway, they're trying to get back there for Life Day, which is, their, I guess, their major, hol- major holiday. And Chewie's with Han and the Millennium Falcon. They're trying to get back, and there's all kinds of issues. But they keep uh, they keep going to different like places. Like, they go to the cantina on Tatooine, and B. Arthur's the to the bartender. Of course, it's a musical piece, piece too, so they... Of course, she sings... And dances, and you've got. Does uh, she sing "Thank You for Being My Friend"? <laughs> no, I guess this would have this would have predated uh, Golden Girls. Yeah, it definitely would have. But I mean, you've got, I mean, you've got kind of it's a who's who of like seventies TV actors that pop up in this thing and sing and dance. But you have some. All of that sounds great, right? But it's it's so. No. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 imagine there's a reason this thing is so notorious, and it's not because it's outdated. It's because. Okay, give me like one of the things that like Chewie's dad, Chewie's the grandfather group. I, I don't know if he's grandfather or dad, but he goes into this his room and he's got like this virtual reality home helmet <laughs> that he puts on, and he puts on this virtual reality helmet and he and he's basically watching what almost looks like virtual reality okay. porn, and and it's like yeah. he's like having this like sexual experience, <laughs> and the lady on screen is like, I'm your fantasy. <laughs> and she's like singing to him. He's like, it's like, oh. and it's and it's like, blah, blah, blah. It's like moving his mouth like real fast. And she's like, I can feel you. And, oh my gosh! And it, and it, and it, and, but it doesn't go to porn. I'm sorry. This is maybe like Teen Witch, where I see porn where it's not. But, but I'm I feel you, like it what, is. What, it looks that, like it's supposed to be. What's that virtual reality scene with the sensual music? And it's just bizarre. And then and then he keeps rewinding it, and he's like watching her say. He play, replays it about five times, oh and it's God. awkward moments Charles. like that that you're just like, "What is this?" <laughs> like it doesn't even. And then you know, by the end of the movie, spoiler, they, they everybody's together. Like Princess you Leia, worry about Princess Leia, Luke, and all of them are back together, and they all start. Princess Leia starts leading him in song, and it's it's embarrassingly <laughs> bad. Yeah. It's not that she's a bad singer; it's just you could tell, like Harrison Ford. <laughs> My favorite, my favorite things from the Wikipedia page. Talk about Chewbacca's family: his father Itchy and his son Lumpy. 
<laughs> and, and talking about it being talking about it being a seventies holiday special. It's like the Star Wars holiday special, yeah. starring Art Carney, B. Arthur, Harvey Corman. Yeah. I mean, it's so just and you they, can't imagine that, that George Lucas would have ever done this if he had really been sober. Well, you know? I've I've heard the rumor that he will never release this officially. Like the way I've seen it was a VHS recording of that original like broadcast. So it had the '70s commercials in it. It's on YouTube. You can you can I, I find see that, it. I yeah. eventually see that in parts. Um, and it's it's so bad. I mean, it's painful. The other thing that came from it was the introduction of Boba Fett. I was gonna say that there's a cartoon in the and actually um, on the Blu-rays that came out a few years ago. Um, they you know obviously they're not gonna they, people were hoping they would include this as a bonus feature. They didn't, but they kept the cartoon that Boba Fett was introduced. It's I think it's an Easter egg on there. Hmm. But yeah, it's actually not a bad cartoon. If you watched it, it was yeah. the unofficial introduction of Boba Fett. He's laughing, but this it, it is. I'm I'm telling you that 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 once and it, and there's musical numbers like I forget which band is playing some. Oh yeah, Bachman Turner Overdrive. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I mean, yeah, and I think Harvey Corman's playing like a chef on TV, like a chef of the Empire, and it's. Oh. I think I I don't even know, but that 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 virtual reality porn segment. I don't get that. Like, I don't understand what they're trying to go for. Um, just trying to make money. Just trying to make it yeah. So for, go ahead. What's your ugly? I think ugly for me has to be episode one because it's just, I cannot think of a single scene in that movie that I can't just laugh at. It's just, it's all so embarrassingly bad. Whether it's, arguing about trade restrictions and embargoes or whether it's Natalie Portman talking like a man for some reason with <laughs> Sophia Coppola dressed up next to her. I don't understand. Uh-huh. Or if it's Qui-Gon Jinn like talking about always a bigger fish. It's just, it's, there's nothing good in this movie or Jar Jar Binks. Just literally anything that Jar Jar Binks, I can't believe we haven't mentioned Jar Jar Binks for an hour, but Jar Jar Binks is in this movie in every scene for crying out loud. It's just so obnoxious. But at the same time, I'm, I hate it. I hate it. There's nothing I like about this movie. (laughs) But what I do like about it is it was the first time that I went to a movie theater to see a Star Wars movie and I genuinely didn't know what was going to happen next. And so as much as I hate it, it's sort of like that time when, like, you go camping with your family and every single thing goes wrong. It rains and you, your food gets eaten by a bear and the car breaks down. It's just, it's a disaster. But it's that memory that you laugh at and everybody goes, oh, that was so awful. Remember when, you know, it's just like that. And so the same way Charles is talking about how excited he was to go see it. I was the same way. I was there at midnight. We were stoked. We were so excited for this movie. And it was awful. But we all laugh about it still. And so there's part of me that I love the movie because it's a train wreck. And like any good train wreck, we can't look away. And yeah. But well, it's terrible. It's a terrible excuse for a movie. And you're absolutely right. The anticipation for that movie was a million times greater than the anticipation for The Force Awakens is. I mean, oh, we're, see- yeah. we're seeing a huge push and, and marketing and a lot of buzz. Um, but honestly, I mean, this was a movie that people had been talking about since 1983 and we never thought it was going to get made mm-hmm. and here it was 90 97 or whatever when they announced that george is going to go back and make the, yeah. the prequels it was just like wow 
My life is going to be complete. You know, it's kind of like uh, with um, the Batman and Robin and then Batman Begins. Like, after Batman and Robin, people were like, I don't want to... Never want to see it again. It's it's Batman and Robin ruined it, and they had to kind of redeem themselves Batman Begins. I'm hoping that The Force Awakens can do this with the new ones, because the prequels have kind of left a bad taste in everyone's mouth about Star Wars. Well, and it drives me crazy. Go ahead, Tover. If The Force Awakens is even passable, everyone's going to love it. Like, that's the problem, is that the bar has been lowered so much that's so that true. if this yeah. movie is even, like, remotely good, everyone's going to be like, oh, that's the best Star Wars movie ever made. And it's like, no, it's just the first one you ever got to see in the theater that you liked, you know? I mean, that's really what you... Yeah. There's you know. no way Disney's going to mess it up. Disney's going to do it right. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it, it's, it's really interesting because I can remember about a week before Phantom Menace came out, um, the word going around was, oh, it's only about as good as Return of the Jedi. And you know the idea was well, Return of the Jedi is not not perfect, and and so this is is uh, not perfect. It's still good, but but it's it's not perfect. And I think you know people have turned on it so violently, turned on the prequels entirely so violently that you know you see the jokes about well, there are six movies, but we really don't count the first three. And, and people who just I don't want anything to do with and um, you know uh, Simon Pegg famously being so negative about about the prequels and George Lucas ruined my childhood and all this stuff. And I think we're starting to see the beginning of, of the tide sort of turning in the fan community saying, you know what, yeah, they're flawed, but they're still fun and they're still a valuable contribution to the, the overarching saga. I think that's an, that's an interesting point, too, that, that as much as we want to sit here and talk about, like, this is the best one or this is the worst one or whatever, like, thinking about this from George Lucas's perspective, like, I don't... I don't even know what you do. Like the process of making a movie is incredibly difficult just in general without expectations and without billions of dollars riding on it and all this. And it just, there's part of me and I'm, I'm not defending the movies by any stretch. I'm not defending his directorial decisions by any stretch. I just wonder if perhaps the pressure was too much and he buckled under it and we all hate him for it. You know, like he lived long enough to become the villain you know, and I, I almost feel bad for the poor guy who then also had to, he sold Lucasfilm, Lucasfilm, it's the, it's his name, he sold his name <laughs> to Disney, who's now like, there's freaking oranges that are like, marketed as BB-8 oranges that you can go buy at the grocery store, it's stupid, you know, and, and, but they're making all this money off of him, and everyone hates him, and I, I don't know, I kind of, I almost feel bad for the poor guy who, like, doesn't really... He had to give his whole life away. I don't know. I, I well, Maybe I I'm getting too philosophical, philosophical, but I just kind of feel bad for the guy. Well, no, I would say, true. like, part of it is that, like, on the original trilogy, even though he wrote and directed the first one, I was watching an interview with Alec Guinness, you know, played Obi-Wan. One of his conditions for coming on board was that he could redo the dialogue. So... He's not really credited for it, but he changed a lot. He hated the dialogue. He noticed the dialogue was bad. So he's changed a lot of that. How much he changed, I don't know. So you have that. So he fixed the dialogue on that. The second one, Lucas didn't write the script. He wrote the story, but Lawrence Kasdan wrote it. Different director. Same thing for the third one. Different director. All the ones that Lucas didn't really have control on were the best. When you get into the episode one, two, and three, he had complete control. He wrote the right. script. He directed it. He didn't have anyone telling him it was wrong. Uh, Rick McCallum is a, is a producer. 
But he's not going to tell him he's wrong. And he had all the money in the world to yeah. do whatever he yeah. wanted. Right, because he, he famously battled with the studios in the first place. So he was not going to work with them. And that's part of the problem. He's even... Now, he, you know, he sold it to Disney. And now he's, uh, you know, he's complaining about that Disney didn't use his ideas for the new trilogy. Um, he's complaining about all this stuff. And he's he, he's kind of saying that Disney's making a movie for the fans. They're not making it for themselves. Like, he only wanted to make a movie for himself. He didn't want to listen to the fans and make a movie for the fans. And... With the franchise yeah, like well, with the franchise like the, I get it. You want to make your film, you want to put your mark on it. You have to single minded. I get that and focus. But this is a franchise that the pe- people all over the world love. You owe it to them to at least listen to their feedback and let it shape you slightly. Yeah. And I think that's part well, of the problem. And, and if you look at Lucas's career, the things that he did or was involved in that were really great, right? Whether it be your original trilogy of Star Wars, or whether it be Indiana Jones, the thing that he was great at was concept and producing. He's not a good director. He's an okay director, right? Yeah. He's not a good writer at all. He's a bad writer, right? But he's great at coming up with concepts, and he's great at producing. Disney could have done great things if they had said, George, we want to keep you on to help with the story. We want to even have you produce. Like, but at the same time, we're not going to let you near that script, and that, we're not going to let you direct. But, but and also, same, that was a that was a PR move for them. Oh because, sure, you know they they didn't want his name attached to it because people think, oh well, if George Lucas is attached to it, it's not going to be good. Right. Agreed. Um, Which is crazy how far yeah. that's changed. You know. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I the, just feel bad for him. That's all. In the in the eighties. George Lucas was basically considered to be the guy who could do no wrong. Right. Between between Star Wars and uh, you know Indiana Jones, they, they thought that he hung the moon, and and you know that turned out to not be the case well, remotely. Even in the new Indiana Jones movie, the the Crystal Skull movie, like that was if, Lucas. I watched an interview with Spielberg about that movie. How Spielberg really didn't want to do it. Lucas right. Lucas talked him into it. Lucas wanted to call it Indiana Jones and the Saucer Men. He wanted to make an alien movie, and he talks Spielberg into it, and that's why we have that movie, and it's awful. I mean, it's I, mm-hmm. I, I know we'll probably do those later, but that's yeah. a terrible movie. Count me in on that episode. Really? <laughs> <laughs> well, there's only four of those. So. Well, uh, one thing I think that gets kind of overshadowed in all of the, all six of them, and well, not not overshadowed, but definitely overshadowed in the three is consistently, and I'm taking a whole new direction here, but consistently oh, the good. score. Hour, let's do yeah. <laughs> consistently, <laughs> I just want to say this because I think the man deserves the credit. John Williams' score. Yeah. He oh, yeah. does, he does, it, no matter what the story is, Phantom Menace has a beautiful score. It has the oh, yeah, it uh, Duel of the Duel Fates. Of Every That's single one song. of these has an incredible score. It's kind of like, I feel like John Williams was like, I don't care if it's crap or if it's good, I'm gonna just give my best. And I think the yeah. guy deserves he's, at he's least the a one, mention on our podcast. He's the one piece of glue that holds that that really binds the the prequel trilogy to the original trilogy to mm-hmm. makes it make it feel like it's the same series of movies, mm-hmm. right? Because it, it's such a a classic, timeless score that there are a lot of there are a lot of things, a lot of different directions they could have gone. Uh, you know, there are a lot of space operas from the '70s that were sort of aping Star Wars that used more more synthesizers mm-hmm. and more what was contemporary '70s music, which was Turkish Star Wars. Turkish Star Wars is a great example. But um, you know, there there's there's a lot. You know, I look at the Matrix movies and I think this this movie this series should have a a timeless 
score and what it has is late 90s techno, techno yeah. and, and it feels so dated and when I saw it in the theaters I thought this is going to feel dated in about five years and it does Star Wars doesn't suffer from that because of John Williams mm-hmm. yeah. it, it also so makes the movies feel way more important than they are absolutely like mm-hmm. here's here's you know Luke Skywalker standing in the desert staring off at the horizon and it feels like just the most important thing that's ever happened in your life, you right. know. And it's really just this dude standing there looking at the sunset, and that's it, yeah. you know. But it just it's it sells all of that poor production quality, and it sells mm-hmm. all of the bad acting, and it sells all of the bad writing, and that music. You're absolutely right, yeah. John Williams. And, uh, yeah, and I, I and absolutely, I think that uh, you know because our podcast goes so deep, I wanted to include that that John Williams, you know, is is brilliant, and the fact that he is able, like you said, Mike, to pull all these together and pull, you know, something beautiful from some crap is mm-hmm. great. <laughs> well, it's funny that you mentioned, you know, bad acting and, and poor production quality. There's an awful lot. You know, when people start to bash the prequels, I say, well, if you go back and watch episode four, there's a lot of wooden acting and bad mm-hmm. dialogue and, and mm-hmm. bad masks. I mean, even the, the great cantina scene is guys in devil masks and and, yeah. and bad gloves, you know, the, some of the, the the costume work. It was it was um the Christmas specials even worse. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was it was you know, a landmark event. It was it broke new ground, but it was still pretty bad in a lot of ways. And 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 I think you're right. We credit we we should credit John Williams for making us think of some of those things as as absolutely epic and important. When they could have been, you know, sort of a joke. I mean, Alec Guinness thought that this movie was going to be a joke. James Earl, James Earl Jones made a lot of really dumb science fiction movies, and I'm sure he thought this was going to be another one. Brian De Palma, when and some other director friends, when George Lucas showed it, they said this is going to be a flop. George, sorry, we like you, but this is a bad movie. And yeah, you know, why were they wrong? Yeah, <laughs> Steven actually, Steven Spielberg was the only one that uh, had faith and said, "No, George, don't listen to him." This is going to be uh, a hit. Uh, so, as we close this longest podcast <laughs> we've ever had... What? Do you want to talk about Force Awakens at all? La, 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 well, la, 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 la. <laughs> The only, thing, the only like... thing I can say is that I have, and I've had this from the beginning, I have complete faith in uh, Force Awakens. Do you guys think it'll be good? Yeah, I do. I, I, I think J.J. Abrams was a great choice. I would have preferred Joss Whedon. But, uh, you know, um, I, I trust J.J. Abrams to do a great job with this. I still want Spielberg to direct one, but he won't do it because he's too close to Lucas. Right. He said no, so. Right. What do you say, Topher? I am about 90, 95% certain this is going to be great, but there is just that one part in the back of my head that's just terrified. Because <laughs> <laughs> you've been hurt before. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah. Actually, I, exactly. Think, I think this would be the best Star Wars film. I think if we were doing our podcast in a month, that would be our good one. Interesting. Okay, wow. I don't see any... Disney's not going to mess it up. Now, they want to make a Star Wars movie every year. Some of those are going to be awful. You know they mm-hmm. are. But this first one? This first one, they're doing everything right. They've got... They've tried to reach out to any actor that was in any of the original trilogy. I mean, I know they were talking to the X-Wing pilots trying to get them in. Most of them are tired or dead. Um, but they were... They are. They're trying to do everything right. They're shooting it on film again, which is awesome. Uh, they're doing practical effects any way they can. The fact that BB-8 is an actual robot that yeah. rolls around on set is mind-blowing. And even yeah. in the campaigns when they would show like Abrams talking to the camera about what uh, UNICEF, whatever, they would they would have like the animatronic uh, creature next to him and it looked awesome. It's a new yeah. creature we haven't seen before. That, 
they're not going to mess it up. And you brought in the writer of The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. That you're exactly. doing. It. You've got that. You've got that. You've got you know, you've got John Williams back with a new score. They are pulling out all their. Yes. So they bought Lucasfilm for four billion dollars, um, which I heard two billion. That was like profit. But what I've also heard is that before this movie even comes out, they've already made all that back. Oh sure. Four billion was a steal. Right. An and absolute. They, they've steal. already apparently just with their marketing stuff they've done all the stuff they re-released the the the, the all the movies on digital. Um, which, by the way, I think you showed me. It has the new intro because it doesn't have 20th Century Fox in it anymore. It's got just a a new little musical thing. It says Lucas Films. You're right. And so, like, it's gonna be. I mean, I think a lot of people when they see Force Awakens in theater, they're not gonna see the 20th Century Fox thing anymore. Mm-hmm. But outside of that, I I don't see any way this will be bad. I mean, right. I really think it's made by a fan. It it it's weird that he also happens to make Star Trek movies too. But, <laughs> yeah. Um, which it, is the first time that ever happened. Yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of the joke, right? We know it's going to be a great Star Wars movie. He just made one of the best Star Wars movies. He just made it in the wrong franchise. He just yeah. made it in the yeah. well, If we like Star yeah. Trek Into Darkness. That's yeah. Well, I know the thing I like about what I've seen so far for The Force Awakens um, is that it, 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 the world feels lived in. Episode 4, especially Episode 5, Episode 6, they feel like a real place you could go. And uh, you don't get a lot of that in in episode, especially two, um, no, it's because so it's cold. it's all green screen. Yeah. You know, it's an actor talking to a green screen character on a green screen set. And, and but have, but it doesn't feel that way for what I've seen. It's the inflection the way they talk too, like they don't it, they put the wrong emphasis on the wrong everything. Right. The wrong emphasis Salable. on the wrong syllable. Right. <laughs> like, they really do. It's it's awkward. Well, it's and so part of that's it. because you can't let an actor have free range if he has to hit a mark on a green screen with a motion control camera. You can't act. He can't do things naturally. He has to hit wooden marks so that the cameras can follow him in that green screen. Whereas if you have practical sets, you can have them walk around and talk. I think for so. Force Awakens, they they finally figured that out, and that's what's going to be the winner. Yep. So yep. I think everyone knew it, but Lucas, I mean, I don't yeah. know. Like, I, think, I really think you could have put any director in this. I'm happy it's Abrams, but mm-hmm. Disney's not going to mess it up. No, they're not. So uh, we will be able to tell you come uh, Friday or Saturday. I'm going to see it on Saturday. Are you going to do a follow-up piece? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, we'll... Spoiler free, of course. Yeah, spoiler free. But I don't know. Maybe we'll do something. I'm, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna go completely dark on it anyway. So uh, I'm not watching anything. I'm not reading any social media. I'm staying away until I actually see I'm it. Seeing it Thursday. Oh man, I have to wait till Monday. Oh, my, my, my son's no. my son's birthday is Monday. I'm taking my kids. Oh, so. okay, that's good. But Kelly, but yeah, I'm plan? going Saturday. Saturday, mm-hmm. Tover, when you going? Spoiler for all of I'm you. I'm seeing it Thursday. Oh, okay, Tover. Oh, and you're in a time zone ahead of me, so don't you spoil it. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening. Yes, this is our longest podcast, and uh, but it deserves it. Do you want it, to mention the next one? Yes, the next one uh, next week is Christmas. Wee. Yay! So. Yippee. Uh, we are gonna do. <laughs> no! He actually did the motion, guys. That was good. That's one of those awkward I, camera moments. The camera doesn't match that I, shot. I use the force to crush a lamp in Charles's room right yes, now. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm so sad though. We didn't think ahead and we didn't uh, do the Star Wars Christmas special, but. Uh, oh, yeah. 
Oh, I thought ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I didn't know if you were going to be counted or not. So last year what we did is that we, uh, Kelly, Charles, and I basically came together and decided what are uh, the, the good, bad, and ugly star, um, um, Santa Claus movies. Star Wars. Yes, yeah, Good, bad, and ugly Santa Claus movies are. So this year we put our heads together and tried to figure out what the good, bad, and ugly Christmas family comedy was. And here's what we've come up with. Mm-hmm. We are going to discuss National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Um, are we calling it Kirk Cameron Saves Christmas or Saving Christmas? It's changed. So, it's changed. Okay. Yeah. All right. It's now called Tangents. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it when we have a fan on the show. This is awesome. I know. Oh, man. That's a, that's a good reference. Okay. So uh, we're going to go with Saving Christmas okay. and uh, Jingle All the Way. All right. So... Um, as I take one more drink from my Darth Vader mug that I got today. <laughs> and I chew a cherry Hershey's kiss. Thanks so much for listening, guys. Thanks we so really appreciate it. Be sure to um, rate and review us on iTunes. Be sure to uh, follow us on Twitter at Good Bad Podcast and Facebook. It's just awesome. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike, you want to plug anything? No, but thanks for having me. <laughs> Topher, you got anything you want to plug? No, I'm just excited to talk about Christmas movies next time. All right. Well, guys, thanks so much for uh, uh, chatting with us, and uh, thanks for listening. Yep. Have a good one.